Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. Big side there just before we came on air. Um, I think we're live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter today. So if you're watching on Twitter, do let us know. Uh, something new for us. My name is Dan Rowenson. I'm joined by Matt Kendrick. Um, what can you say about that? <laughs> I'm laughing, but it's not funny, is it? Uh, defeating Newcastle for, for Aston Villa. 1-0. Really, really poor, that, wasn't it? It's just a big sack of cack, wasn't it? To be honest, I yeah. can't think of a better way to describe it. It was um, by far, by far and away, the worst performance that we've, we've had under Gerrard so far. Um, you know, we had wanted a 90-minute performance, didn't we, where Villa played the same throughout the 90, and we, we finally got one. It was just... <laughs> It's just dreadful, and I know you know we can we will do, and we and there'll be plenty of moaning about VAR, but I think we've probably got what, what we deserve today. Um, yeah, I, I did a tweet. I did a tweet on the the brand account AVFC News. If you want to go and follow that, that'd be lovely, and it would help my targets from a work perspective uh, out as well. So go and follow that, please. Um, I did a tweet that I prepared after one of the times we got you know, done over by VAR and I kind of photoshopped we'll just guess on the big screen rather than just, you know, working out a decision or whatever. And I tweeted that after and somebody said, you know, um, VAR won't excuse how bad Villa have been, effectively is what they were saying, which, yeah, fair enough. You know, if that goal is allowed and it changes things at one or maybe we go on to, to kind of up our levels a bit and, and still 20, 25 minutes to go, whatever it was. But, yeah, that doesn't excuse how, how bad we were for the... 89 minutes around that 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 goal and that VAR decision, just rubbish. I don't know. I don't know what what's changed from literally four or five days ago against Leeds. Coutinho and Ramsey. I don't want. To, I'm not going to dig people out, but Coutinho and Ramsey were absolutely unplayable on Wednesday, and then we only get a draw, which again is a, is another conversation. But they were unplayable Wednesday, and today you kind of think, and they even playing. I haven't heard the commentator say Ramsey or Coutinho for about 15 minutes. They're just not involved, and I don't know how you go from from one extreme to the other there. I think you say that across the team, though. I'm sure I'd be interested yeah. to see what, what Ash has made of it, Ashley Priest in his play ratings, because, you know, I know he got, he got loads of flat the other day. I thought Tyrone Mings was possibly one who, who did okay. Um, I think throughout the rest of the team, there were there's some really poor performances. You know, McGinn's gone off the boil massively. Like you say, Coutinho, from being the main man, the magician in midweek, was a passenger today. You know, Chambers is at fault for the for the opening goal. Um, yeah. Martinez is possibly at fault a little bit for the opening goal, then gone walkabouts in the second half. Some of the deliveries, I mean, Austin McPhail have to come on and start taking some of those set pieces himself if he wants to keep the job because some of the set piece deliveries are appalling, really. Um, well, weirdly, I started, I was sat watching it up here the, this afternoon. So I watched it up here. So I've got all my desk and everything. And I actually wrote down notes as we went along. Because I thought, you know, I haven't done a podcast for a while. Uh, I didn't do the Leeds one and obviously a big gap. So I thought, got to be on my game here. I've got to like, you know, keep my place in, in the podcast team. So I'll make some notes. The first thing I put, set piece delivery. Douglas Louise took the first two. Why? 
Why is Douglas Suiz our free kick taker and, and, and corner taker? You've got Coutinho on there, Dina. Even Ramsey, to a certain extent, I feel like, has got better technical ability. Why is Douglas Suiz just floating corners in <laughs> in the first couple of minutes? I'm not sure, but I, I don't know what the route to goal was. Today, I mean, there clearly wasn't one. I know we, yeah. we had the, the one goal disallowed, but I don't know what we were trying to do to try to try to hurt Newcastle, to be honest. I mean, Gary Neville's give, given Dan Byrne the... the um, the man of the match award on, on the sky coverage, you know, and, and Newcastle did defend well, but you know, it was hardly, <laughs> hardly the most, most taxing or testing of debuts through Mosic really yeah. it didn't, didn't really force the issue at all. Uh, which is dis- really disappointing because I know Newcastle are on the back of a little bit of good form, but they're still, or they were until today, still, still right, right in it. You can quieten yeah. that crowd. Why have we not won there for, for 17 years? You know, They've been relegated twice in that time. They're in a relegation battle this season. Yeah. And we've not won there. We've not looked like winning there. You know, it's... it's re- and that team today, with, with the with the exception of St Maximum, is there anybody in that team who should really, really frighten us? Mm. Yeah, just, um, I think I think Pat did a tweet in the week that St Maximum is the, you know, the one to watch of the opposition, which is you know, the easy one. Trippier as well, obviously a good player, scored, scored in the last game as well, that, that free kick. But you know, he goes off on the forty seventh minute and you think, right, oh, okay, well, that's one of their, their big threats gone. We've got to get at their fullbacks now. On the other side, Manquillo's struggling with injury and, and Paul Dummett comes on. And then you look at Dummett, Shaw, uh, Byrne and whoever the right back was, I just forgot who literally just came on for Trippier. Who was it who came on right back? Craft. Oh, Craft. Uh, you look at that that back four and you think, Oh, you've got to get them. You've got a whole half to get this sort of makeshift back four now. And it's what, one shot on target all game? I, was, I know it's, it's, you're going to get overreactions, aren't you? There's people in the comments saying things like, you know, that's however many, uh, you know, the record of, of what Gerald's got now and that, you know, are we any better under, than we were under Smith and stuff like that? And I don't want to be too overreactionary with, with things like that, but you do look at games like today and think, well, you know, what is Villa's game plan? What are they trying to do? If it's a narrow kind of 4 3 3 with two number 10s, if Coutinho and Brendia as well don't really get involved in the game, what, you know, what's plan B? What, what do we do if the, if they can't get on the ball? I have to ask the manager, mate, because we didn't, we didn't <laughs> see much much evidence of it today. I mean, I think, listen, before we start getting stuck into, you know, systems and, and, and is Gerald playing the wrong shape and et cetera, et cetera, which pre- probably tends to be more Pat Rose domain than mine anyway. But there's just too many players who aren't performing, mm-hmm. regardless of how you, how you line them up. And that's a silly thing to say, but it's just, you know, Watkins, I'm really gutted, A, because I wanted to get something out of that game today that that goal was disallowed. But I was hoping that might be the the spark that, that kick-started Ollie Watkins because yeah. it looks, it looks a, a kind of pile imitation of, of, of what he did. Um, you know, I think I tweeted, you know, make the change early, um, make the change early and because he's, he's devoid of confidence, get Danny Ings on. And then, lo and behold, Watkins sticks the ball in the net you know, two minutes later. But, yeah, he didn't, you know, we've got too too many players who aren't, aren't justifying their place in the team uh, consistently at the moment. And it's, it's disappointing because the honeymoon period is, is, is well and truly over now. And, you know, don't attempt fate. I don't, think, I don't see us getting dragged into a, a relegation battle because I think we will pick up enough points between now and the end of the season. Uh, but equally, we want to go into that summer with, with real momentum. You know, mm. sign Coutinho on loan. That was supposed to be a statement, a statement that we could bring much better players and really upgrade with the quality of signings that we make in the summer. But we need to do that. You know, we need we just need to have that forward momentum 
Um, and it's really, it's really disappointing. I think I said on the the post Leeds podcast that um, I can't see many occasions where Villa won't score a goal <laughs> this season because Thanks of the attacking, <laughs> attacking quality that we've got. And it's the it's the kiss of death. I couldn't really see an occasion where we would skip, score a goal today. Um, yeah. But like I said, we, I don't think we we need to have, have kind of knee jerk reactions because. <laughs> because social media and other podcasts will do that for us, but it is really, really grim at the moment. Yeah, I've mentioned relegation. People in the comments on here and on social media are saying, you know, we're going to, are we about to be dragged into relegation battle? And I kind of looked at that and thought, well, no, don't be stupid. And I'll check the league table and we're, we're 10 points clear. So then you kind of think, mm, nah, it's, you know, don't be stupid. We still, we still want to get sucked in, in that badly. But, you know, there's there's a certain point in time when you're looking and thinking, oh, we're miles ahead of Newcastle, and now we're, we're only six we're six ahead of them. So it's not it's not impossible to get sucked in. Then someone always does, don't they? They kind of would nowhere near it, and then they kind of start tumbling down the table, and you think, oh, they might be the ones to to get pulled into this. But I, I still don't think that will happen. You probably only need another what six or seven points to stay up. So no way we'll be relegated is is my opinion. But you know, I'll respect people that think that we might be in a bit of trouble. Um, yeah, I'm just looking down at this piece of paper that I've written on composure in capitals is is what I wrote down. That's what we're lacking, I think. Just a bit of composure, a bit of bit of know-how, a bit of leadership maybe. That you kind of look around that pitch and think, apart from Tori Mings as captain, what other sense of leadership is there in that team? The midfield, are they offering enough? Watkins up front is isolated. <sighs> And, and he's probably doing what the the job that he should be doing in terms of you know we kind of said all along, haven't we? Watkins will drag players out of position and his work rate will be good, but I'm not even sure he's doing that at the moment. Um, so just very very disappointing, and you know we're definitely not going to get in Europe. I don't think we're going to go down. I'd go as far as say we're definitely not going to go down to be honest. So what are we playing for? And it, it's building for next season, isn't it? It's, it's pride, it's, it's stuff like that. And uh, there's no pride in, in that side today. And I, I feel sorry for the, the Villa fans that have travelled up to Newcastle for the weekend and, and had to sit through that, to be honest. It's a long way to go. We need to lose every single time or to, to fail to win every single time yeah. to go there. I think on about composure, we don't seem to be able to exert control over yeah. a game. You know, that I'm not sure we've got, like you said, whether it's leadership or whether it's just kind of bravery, on the ball, whether it's just basic kind of ball retention, we don't seem to be able to take the sting out of moments when the opposition, yeah. you know, are, are rallying and, and going forward. We don't seem to be able to absorb that. And equally, we don't seem to be able to, to make the most of it when we've got the momentum. We don't seem to be able to turn that into... I mean, listen, I'm probably making judgments based on what I've seen this afternoon um, rather than over the last four or five weeks. But it... It, it points to the same thing with me, and you know it's probably a popular narrative amongst Villa fans at the moment about getting that that kind of defensive midfielder in there who can pull the strings, I suppose, and, and can can set the tempo of games. Mm. Douglas Louise isn't that. I don't think you know. I don't want to join the kind of the bandwagon of, 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 of digging into him for the sake of it, but he's not the kind of not not the player that we need that can really influence the, the game from that position and, and give us that element of control. Um, like I said, McGinn has been, uh, was really, really disappointing today. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's fitness, fatigue, whether it's the fact that he's been asked to play too deep in an unfamiliar role, I'm not sure. Um, but it really, really disappointing. 
Yeah, there's a few times as well, Mings or, or Chambers getting a, getting the ball in defence and then just booting up to Watkins and it's always going to come straight back from Newcastle, kind of bypass the midfield every time. Again, just, no one comes no one comes deep to, to get the ball and, and want to get on it and play and bring us forward. Now, Jack Ramsey has been the one in, in recent weeks who will, who will carry the ball forward and really push us up as a team. But again, he's not there doing it today. Coutinho, Buendia not really involved. Again, and Louise struggled as well. Watkins, you know, that's the entire front six there. That you kind of sit here and go, well, yeah, they've done nothing. Which is, <laughs> that's going to happen, isn't it? When you've lost one nil, they've done absolutely nothing. So it's really frustrating. Um, oh God, I suppose we've got to go through different bits of the game just to say that we've covered them off. Penalty, or, or the penalty that wasn't the penalty, but then they scored the free kick anyway, which again, I've, I, my notes there were, <laughs> Chambers gives away penalty, definite foul, clumsy in quotes, which is what Gary Neville called it, which I thought, yeah, fair enough, clumsy. I've put outside the box, question mark, question mark, question mark. VAR says free kick, scored anyway, lol. That's what I wrote down. Because I just thought it was typical. As soon as it was tripped out stepping up, I thought, well, he'll score this anyway. So it doesn't matter. Well, that's it's not it, really that's the conversation me and my lad had while while they're debating whether it was in or out. Doesn't really matter because they score anyway. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was a shambles, though, wasn't it? The way it was, the way it was defended, the way the free kick was defended. Um, you know, I know I thought Newcastle did it quite well. The way they tried to disrupt the wall, um, but you know, when when you listen to Mika Richards at halftime and taking defensive advice from him. Um, given given his time in, in, in Claret and Blue. But I think he's right. I think if that, that ball does stand another, you know, body's width to the left, then you give Trippier less of the goal to aim for. We know he's got the quality to to, to stick it <laughs> in another gap anyway, but it, it just seems such a kind of flaky, a flaky goal. Um, Deflection as well. Yeah, it was. But what, what did what what did uh, Sunes describe? He said, said Buendia was as much used as a glass eye in that situation. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't. Oh, I didn't see half time. I didn't catch half time. You know, it's kind of if Buendia's do, taking up that position. What's he doing exactly? Is he better yeah. to to be oh, yeah, the man on the end of the wall? If he wasn't there, it's not deflected. I think Martinez probably saves it because it looks like it's pretty much going straight at him. But uh, it's if it's put some maybes, isn't it? I guess it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, I suppose the other side of the conversation, and like we said, we, we've absolutely done it to death, the VAR discussion. You know, you and me have done it, Ash has done it, James, whoever's been on the podcast has spoken about it. It's just shambles, isn't it, the way that the VAR deals with it. Um, ultimately, I think it's the right decision in the end. Actually, I'm not talking about the right thing here. Am I, did VAR get involved with that as well? They did, didn't they? What for the penalty? Yeah, yeah, they yeah they yeah. ruled penalty or not, didn't they? So yeah, in that instance, you say yeah, that's fair enough. It, it was. I mean, I thought in real time it was on the line, and on the line is in, isn't it? I think. But yeah, they took the time over that. I think they get the right decision that it's outside the box. So you kind of move on from that, and you think VAR, you've had your time here. Leave us alone for the rest of the game. And it pops up again. I'm getting mixed up with my notes. That's why because I'm looking at them. And for the goal is the way they've handled the goal ruling out VAR. Now, when I tweeted about this, there's a few players saying, get over it, he was offside. Was he offside? Was he really offside? When we see these lines being drawn and to people, you know, I've saw a few tweets, I'm nicking kind of other people's points here, but, you know, you've got a 3D image here where you're drawing 2D lines onto it. You're zooming in on, on this on this frame that's blurry and where, where is actually the ball? Is the ball on this line? It kind of looks just like they've gone red line, blue line. And just smack them next to each other, and they talk. Oh, well, it's thicker lines this season, and this kind of stuff. It's like, what? What are we doing here with VAR? Like, what? What is the? What is the aim with it? 
if it's to roll out clear and obvious stuff and you you see things back and go, yeah, it's obviously wrong, that's fine. What I don't understand, and I'm going off on a tangent here because it didn't matter, but there was a time when we had a, a, a ball go out for a corner and it should have been a goal kick or, the vi- or vice versa. It should have been a goal kick and we got a corner off it. And the Sky replays show it and it's wrong. VAR will have seen it's wrong, but they can't interfere with that and go to the ref, oh, sorry, ref, you've got that wrong. That should be a goal kick. Because you kind of go, well, that's fair enough. That's a wrong decision, but they can't get involved with that. But then a goal where no one is even questioning offside, they can watch it over and over and over again and then suddenly work out, oh, yeah, he is offside. What it should be is they put VAR up, play it through real time, and then you watch it and go, oh, yeah, he's miles off. Okay, offside. If they've even got to get the lines out in the first place, I don't think it should be that that kind of picky. Yeah, Listen, if you want football to be completely robotic, um, why not do away with the refs as well? Why not have kind of AI refs and stuff? I don't know whether they have enough kind of scrap metal to make a make a John Moss or whatever. But it's you know, it's if there's no discretion allowed anymore, you know, clear or not, we, you know, might as well just copy and paste what we said previously because clear yeah. and obvious is the one, isn't it? It's clear, you know, if you have to if you have to pour over something for any longer than thirty seconds, it's not clear and obvious. Um, I think that's what frustrates the hell out of out of all football fans. You know, if you go on social media, there's all kind of conspiracies about, you know, it's whatever that that the, the game's corrupt and all this kind of stuff. I'm not sure that's the case. I think I think over the course of time, and we know that the, the, in times it has sometimes favoured the big clubs, but I don't think anybody benefits from it really in the long run no, because every fan base, whether you're a kind of football traditionalist or whether you're a plastic fan or whatever you are, every fan base has the same issue that they cannot celebrate a goal. You can, yeah. cannot celebrate a, a goal with complete kind of pandemonium and complete complete passion um, because you've got to wait for somebody to give it the say-so. That is depriving football of, in my mind, the single most purest form of joy that the game brings, yeah. and that's happening everywhere. You know, you're getting now. It's more, you know, the Newcastle fans celebrating that goal being ruled out was a bigger thing than the Villa fans celebrating it in the first place. You're thinking, you know, football eating itself in this way, um, and the lines, the, the thicker lines. You know, what, what what does that mean? Does it mean that know. somebody at Stocky Park has gone down a local? Partner stationery shop and bought a thicker, thicker black marker or what? Thicker ruler. It's just, it's just nonsense, to be honest. But listen, I, I want to make it clear. I don't think that 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 was the the main reason that Villa lost that game. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent agreed. We it was just not simply... kind of sour grapes crying, crying over yeah. it. Um, yeah. In the isolation of that moment, you look at it and go, oh, "Why are you? Why are we ruling goals out like that?" Like if they watch it back and he's. Miles, like you know, when you see them sometimes, and you just think, oh, I don't even know why they've shown this. He's, he's miles offside. That's what VAR's for, clearing up the stinkers that the referees will still naturally have. Because as we've said a million times, the referees are, are poor throughout English football at every level. Um, as a comment here saying, if the camera's not even square with the players, how do you know if the line is right anyway? Which is yeah, exactly that. It's, it's just such a I don't know what the word is, but it's so kind of mathematical, I guess, that that we've got these things. I know like. The goal line technology is a totally different thing. If the ball is over the line, we can see right up to the millimetre. 
I understand that and I, I can get on board with that. But the offside stuff, they should watch it back in real time. If he's obviously offside, they rule it out. If it's an obvious penalty or foul or whatever the, the decision is, you rule it out. When it's things like that and you've got to spend a couple of minutes over it and Ollie Watkins is stood looking up at a big screen and panting his, his, his chest out waiting to, to see whether he can celebrate or not. That's not football, is it? It's, it's poor. And like you said, it's not an excuse for Villa losing the game, but it's certainly a, a sour taste in the mouth of what is a rubbish day. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, it was, you know, Villa were as bad as VAR is today. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I know we touched upon it briefly. I was just in a couple of comments in the in the comments at the side of the, the screen saying, you know, we've got Coutinho on the pitch and we've got, got the wrong Brazilian taking free kicks, to be honest. <laughs> It's things like that which, you know, maybe maybe Douglas Louise pings those in the top corner in training, but things that like that find that I find really really frustrating. You know, mm. we've got some specialists at certain things, so why aren't they the ones who are who are, who are delivering in these moments? Um, also, I've got a question of kind of the, the 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 responsibility and the leadership amongst the other players after Douglas Louise takes. I don't want to focus on Louise too much, but after he takes that first corner, where you think, what the hell was that? Why is it when he steps up for the second one that someone's not kind of running over there going, get off this one, you're not, you're not taking this one, I'll, I'll take this. And he took a free kick out afterwards as well and you're kind of thinking, yeah, why is Coutinho not taking this? Why is Dean not taking it? It's those two, isn't it? One's the right foot, one's the left foot. Surely they, they cover every set-piece opportunity there. He's not taking those because he's the playground school school captain who has to take everything. He's clearly <laughs> on message. He's clearly been told to take those. Yeah, but he's why not change it when it's not working? Clearly, part of the bigger plan. Well, yeah, the, well, the plan doesn't work. I hate to break it to the Villa coach and stuff, but the plan does not work. Um, I suppose that we've got to answer the, the questions of, of, you know, what the improvement is because that that is still what what the comments are saying. Are we are we any better off than we were under Smith? Well, I was going to ask you a follow up question there, but I don't know what it is. I, my my kind of gut instinct tells me that we that we are better. It's just that these kind of isolated bad days are still as bad, but it's still the same group of players, isn't it? That's why. We'd, we'd lost five on the spin, haven't we? Under, um, under Nate Smith. And again, somebody in the comments mentioned that the the impact of, of throwing away that, that, that lead against Wolves spot, yeah. Yeah. you know, the, never really recovered from it. No. God forbid, I, we, we won't go on a spiral of declining out that, like that again. I'm not sure, uh, you know, I'm pretty confident that, that we won't. But are we better than we are under Smith? Smith had three years, didn't he? Um, yeah. In the end, Steve Gerrard's had, what, three months? Probably a little bit over now. So I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's too soon to judge that, you know. I suppose you've got to look at, look at it. The impact that he that he's had, you know, we, we were raving the other day about about Jacob Ramsey. So we know that 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 he's had a positive impact on him. I think the issue that we've got is he hasn't got a centre forward that's firing at the moment. Yeah. Um, so how do we solve that? I'm a bit like you, Dan. I'm inclined to think that yes, we are a little bit better than than under Smith, or certainly under Smith immediately in the this season, in the, yeah, in yeah. the six weeks be- before Gerard arrived. Um, but I think I think the games that we've lost under Gerard, we would have still lost under Smith. And I think um, someone says sound's gone, but I can still hear you. You can hear me, can't you? I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just turn your volume up. Um, what was I going to say? 
Oh, yeah, I think the guys that we've lost under Gerard, we probably still would have lost them under Smith. And I think the guys that we've won under Gerard, we probably wouldn't have won under Smith. So that kind of weird working out in my brain is what tells me we're better under Gerard. But that Gerard's instant impact of coming in and changing things did work. Um, but we're still those signs that, you know, I think I've, I, there's always a clip from the podcast that we did, obviously this podcast that we did when we were under the before the first lockdown, where you describe Villa as having a soft underbelly like a puppy, and that that kind of analogy always sticks in my head when we better have a poor performance. It's always that our own fault. And I know, I know it's probably the, oh, no, that's not true actually. I was about to say that probably every game that every team loses is that team's fault. But sometimes you just lose to the better team and you get outplayed, and and that's the other team's kind of. Um, work that, that is your undoing Villas when we lose games it's our own fault we do stupid things we make silly individual mistakes or we, we just look at sloppy and, and totally off it doing the basics wrong and things like that and I think that's what's frustrating it's not that we've lost today to a brilliant Newcastle side who have got the crowd behind them and momentum of new signings and stuff they weren't that good today Newcastle and we've still been able to not even you know, barely even get a shot on target so that's what's concerning with me for Villa. That it's usually our fault of doing silly things. That, that's why we lose games, not that we're being outplayed. What What do you think the expectation was amongst the board at the start of this season when they when they did last summer's recruitment? Finished eleventh last season, didn't we? What did lost lost Jack Grealish? What do you think the aim would have been? I think. I still believe this. I think finishing in the top half, so actually getting you know at least tenth and being in that you know, and they show the league table in two parts, yeah. <laughs> ten, one to ten and ten to twenty. Yeah. You want to be in that that first that first slide. You want to be in, in one to ten somewhere. Even so with you... losing Grealish, I still think tenth would have been seen as well done. You've lost a big big name there. We've given you three or four new players. I still think tenth would have been seen as improvement. So, do you think the signing of Coutinho? Luca Dean and the Gerard factor has changed those expectations of the board midway through the season. I mean, part of me thinks that those signings are a big, uh, you know, a big deal. So, as if to say, here we're giving you, we're giving you more ammunition here. Go on and, and get towards European football. Whether that's a realistic target, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. It does feel a little bit like, you know, we want to do better than mid-table now. Here, here's a big name. Here's Philippe Coutinho. But then, but do you think the point, the point I'm making, do you think we are now, I'm not trying to excuse crap performances like today because we were crap pretty much across the across the pitch. And I think we were, we were really naive in the week against the Leeds as well to, to let that lead slip. But do you think there's a danger of us, the Gerard factor, the Coutinho factor, danger of us judging what is still effectively, a, for all the intents and purposes, a mid-table squad against European ambitions? Do you think we're, we're in danger of getting a little bit ahead of ourselves? Well, people are saying, January, go on. No, I was just going to say, because people were saying in the week, you know, Tora Mings isn't good enough if we want to be here, we want to be there. That, and that that's fine. But at the moment, we are here. We're a mid-table mm. team. So I can, I can understand what people are saying. These players aren't good enough if we want to be in the top six. We've got the summer to address that, really. Do we have to have a little bit of a reality check, reality check about where we are at this exact minute? I, I think even with bringing in Gerard Coutinho, <laughs> we mentioned Gerard there as if he's still playing, bringing in a change of manager, uh, Coutinho, Dean, uh, Chambers, whoever else, I still think the target is mid-table would be good. I don't think they've gone, right, well, here's Coutinho, you've got to finish sixth now. I think that would be 
foolish from the board to expect that from a new manager. I don't think they are. I think they're, they're wiser than that. So if we finish 11th, 12th, I still think, well, what's wrong with that? What, what, what do we expect? I, I, I think it's the fans that would, would be looking at that thinking, oh, we should have got eighth this season. But what does that get you? If it doesn't get you European football, what does it matter anyway? Well, yes, it's a sign my, of improvement, but barely. I think my big thing is when people are saying these player, this player isn't good enough and this player isn't good enough and this player isn't good enough. And I agree that over the summer, the players who aren't good enough, you know, we've got a, a bright, ambitious young manager. We've got a, a board who really, really want to back this club to, to go forward. So over the summer, I think we can upgrade and we should upgrade and we will upgrade in those positions. But to me, it's not necessarily a question of players not being good enough at the moment. It's good players not performing to their potential. Yeah. You know, because I think Ollie Watkins is a striker who can get 20 goals in the season in the Premier League. And as a Villa fan who hasn't seen that very often over the last kind of 20, 30 years, that's quite a tribute to pay somebody. He's not playing like one at the moment. He's not playing anything like one. But I don't think that means that he's not one and not capable of being one. Do you know what I mean? I think it's I think it's it's those kind of things that yes, the player there's several players in that first team, probably as many as five of them who are regular starters who would probably need upgrading if we want to kick on and be be regularly competing for European football. But mm-hmm. at this minute, between now and the end of the season, I think we've got lots of players who can still perform to a much greater level and then give Gerard a real, real difficult headache in the yeah. summer. Um but yeah, but having said all that, today was absolutely shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we've seen signs that they're willing to upgrade with the kind of ruthlessness, I guess, of what they did with Matt Target. That Matt Target is a first team left back, uh, player of the season last season. Yeah, had a had effectively what is a dip in form this season. I don't, I don't, I still don't think Matt Target is a bad footballer. He's still he's still a Premier League standard footballer. But again, for that bottom half, I don't think Matt Target is a top six left back and he's at Newcastle, so clearly not. Um, and they've gone, Luca Dean is available, he's worth this much, go to Everton, pay it, upgrade it, done, ruthless, get rid of Matt Target, send him out on loan, sorted. So I think Villa are willing to do that and will do that as the time goes by. I think there's a bit of impatience amongst the fan base, perhaps, about, you know, this season should have been the one that we push on, but losing losing Grealish and then starting in new players and the changing manager... Uh, European football would get ripped to shreds anyway, I think, even even amongst that level of, of Europa Conference League or whatever the, the lowest European football bracket is these days. We're just not ready for that. The squad is, isn't ready for that. And you know, we're struggling it in the in the Premier League at the moment. So anything more than that is it's just not even worth thinking about, I don't think. But on paper, like you said, that squad should be capable of top eight, I think, as it is now without any improvements. If they're all on form and low injuries and stuff like that, you know, we're talking about people like Leon Bailey on the bench who well, we've not seen anything from him. Sanson, Ings, you know, they could be starters for a top 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 ten Premier League side. So the squad I think is is getting there. But it's just something isn't quite right yet with, with it and I don't know what that is yet. Well, it's not great for a podcaster to sit here and just go, oh, I don't I don't know, but it is well, it's difficult. not our job to do, to know, but if you look at look at when Gerald came in. You know, his first five or six games, we were on a, a mad losing run under Dean Smith. We beat Brighton, beat Palace, you know, pushed Man City very close, beat Leicester, you know, did okay at Liverpool, then won at Norwich, and everything in the garden looked, looked rosy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are we are on a, a pretty poor run of form 
since then. You know, they've had one win, but that that win at Everton, and and several defeats today, of which was the the worst of them. But those are the same players, plus Coutinho, plus Chambers, mm. plus Luca Dean, to the ones that Gerard was able to to get. You know, to really kind of spark spark a revolver from. So, I'd back him to do the same again. To be honest, somehow we've got to we've got to get get to the root of, of what's what's the issue with those those players that are underperforming. You know, why has McGinn gone off the ball? Why does Ollie Watkins look like a kind of low budget Ollie Watkins? Uh, that's just the, that's the name. Just two. You know, why is Douglas Louise not able to? to bring that kind of element of control into the middle of the park. So, you know, I, I don't want to – we can't do anything about it until the summer. We can't do yeah, anything yeah. about it. That was our window to try and address some of these things. And People should say, well, we should have got a, a, a defensive midfielder in and we should have signed another centre-half. We haven't. So we've just got to try and find a way, or the manager, more importantly, the manager's got to try and find a way to, to coax that level of performance that he first bought in. Now, to me – when he first came in, and it was that short, sharp shock. It was that he wouldn't tolerate for sloppy standards. And I still mm. don't think that is the case. I think, you know, we talked about creating an elite environment and having elite performances. Now, that's one thing saying it, but Villa being able to sustain a good performance over 90 minutes ultimately rests on him. So he's got a real opportunity to stamp his mark over the next two months. You know, it, it, it's up for. It sounds silly, but he's proving himself in the Premier League as much as those yeah. players are proving proving themselves to him. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, what what have we got next? Dan, the, the, is the run? Is what, the... It's Watford and Brighton next? So I did a little graphic for the month of February, and we've obviously had Leeds, Newcastle, Brighton, and Watford. And I said, I oh, I want nine points from that, which is it's impossible now, isn't it? We can, the maximum we can get is seven for the month, but one point from Leeds and Newcastle is poor. So you've really got to go and get something out of Watford and Brighton now, and you know, well, I think we can beat Watford, and I think well, we can beat both. Brighton are probably the, is is the more difficult game out of those two. But if we are coming out of February after those two games, and we've got maybe four points from from those twelve, and we're all kind of looking at that, going, "Oh yeah, nine points there, ten points." That's not great, is it? I'm just reading this. The comments, Royston Birkin. Mings is getting worse by the game just because he didn't make a mistake. This does not mean he had a decent game. Surely that's the very definition of having a decent game if he didn't make a mistake. I'm sure he did make a mistake, to be honest, during the course of the game. But that's a, it's a strange day to dig out Tyro Mings. Yeah, I thought Mings was all right. There's the whole. There's nothing really from today where you can look at and go that that was that was a good performance from anybody. Really, you just got to. I'd be interested to see what Gerard says afterwards. He's been pretty good in all of his post-match interviews so far and I've always thought yeah it's he said the right thing there and he's, I assume he's spoken to Sky by this point half an hour after full time um, but he's that shot of him kind of stumped into his seat you know kind of he didn't look happy to do let's just put it that way um, and rightly so it's now what reaction he can get out of the players because I like to have thought we'd have come out of half time like really storming it and we were better in the second half but still not not like like we should have been, so it's interesting now to see what what Gerald will get out of him in the next. Is it a full week before the next game? Is it next Saturday? I think at yeah, Watford at home. Is it? Park, it? Yeah. Um, it's got a week now to work on it and and iron things out a little bit and really get into them. And you expect a reaction after a week off and uh, another team that's struggling at home. I mean, what I said today is Newcastle a must win on Twitter earlier. 
And so, yeah, in terms of league position, there's no such thing of a, a must win. Like I said, we're, we're not going into Europe and we're not going down. But just for to avoid this, basically, this whole kind of meltdown that comes afterwards, I felt like it was a must win that you've got to go and beat a side like Newcastle and, and shut them up a little bit as well. So, yeah, Watford at home is certainly a must win in, in my eyes. Yeah, it depends what you mean by must. We must win because we just need some positive momentum. Just, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, just avoiding the negativity. I don't mean it from a, a league table point of view. You, you can't go after the those two games. You can't then go and lose to Watford at home. That's ridiculous. <sighs> I've run out of steam, mate. To be honest, <laughs> I suppose you're not coming up to me with any like stupid analogies or anything anything silly to go at. I was going to try and create a distraction by asking what. Um, I was going to, to try and get some advice, not not for me because I'm a romantic anyway. But what what last minute what last minute gifts can you buy your beloved from a kind of petrol station when everything's shut on a Sunday? Ask you for mean, friends, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, if you ask you that question after four o'clock on a Sunday when Valentine's Day is the following day, you're already in trouble. Do you think? Yeah, you can get some deicer or something like that to, to thaw <laughs> the relationship or something like I mean, that. Uh, flowers is you, is an easy win, isn't it? Flowers and chocolate. But even so, you're not going to have a great standard from a from a petrol station at this hour. What have you got for your your other half then? Because I know you just we, got engaged recently, so the the, the romance that, should be very much alive, shouldn't it? The, the engagement ring's still kind of floating over. I think it's only been a couple of weeks, so it's just looking. Oh, yes, look at that. Can you get away with that? Because I've, I've only been made what <laughs> 2005. I got married the year that Villa beat. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'll marry you this year and I'll buy you a Valentine's Day gift the time that Villa win at St James's again uh, so uh, I'll just say if, you, if you're questioning I'll just say look at the ring on your finger that, that's still good for, good for now um, no we don't do Valentine's Day so I'll just get a card or something I haven't even got that though so um, Holly says Matt take it from me clean the bathroom and give her a lie in well what I would say to that is Holly is that you shouldn't just be cleaning the bathroom on Valentine's Day that's the kind of thing you should be doing all year round so we should say that because we're having a bathroom done at the moment my wife's upstairs painting the bathroom ceiling (laughs) and you're doing this (laughs) yeah which I think I wish I'd have painted the bathroom ceiling today to be honest rather than watch the match but um... yeah you probably maybe next time you do the the, do the painting and get Mrs Kendrick to come on do the podcast and give her give her a bit of a, a bit of a chat about the villa instead yeah she probably knows everything about chocolate concrete mate get her on you know what i was actually going to come with a with an analogy for you and i can't do it in in your typical style because i know that you'll come on just put smear chocolate concrete on her and call it a day (laughs) (laughs) thanks for that matty uh yeah i was going to come with you because i'm on a bit of a health kick at the moment um obviously like you just mentioned got engaged i've got a wedding to plan for got could definitely got to slim down a little bit for that. So I've had a, got a couple of kind of healthier snacks in the house, and I was having some pistachio nuts at halftime. It's not the healthiest snack at a nut, I know it's not great, but it's better than chocolate and stuff. And I was just thinking, you know, like you know, sometimes you get them. You know, they, you, do you like pistachio nuts, by the way? Because if you don't, and you've never eaten them, this is not going to work. I don't mind them. All right, I know what yeah, they are. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, sometimes you get them. I've got them here in front of me. I, I don't know if I can find any that I can demonstrate this with. Some of them that you find, and this is relating to Villa, we'll get there in a second. You know, some that you get, and they're, like, already basically open. And, like, you know what, do you know what I mean? Oh, God, I'm going to have to find some. Like, oh, hold on a second. So this you just five size. minutes ago. There we go. Look, right. You see this one? <laughs> it's already yeah. basically open. That's Villa yes. at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Easy to break down, easy to get into, offers no defence. <laughs> get there in a second. Yeah, easy to get into. Rubbish, right? This is what you want Villa to be like. Here we go. You see this one? 
barely any cracks there. Very difficult to get into. You know, if I'm going to get that nut or the win, I've got to. You know, I've got to work hard for it. You know what I mean? I've got to hurt my fingers. I've got to know that I'm in a game to get this nut out. There we go. Got it. That was difficult, right? There's this one. You could open that with one hand. It's so easy. So that's my rubbish analogy. Villa are like a hard to open pistachio nut. That's what I want them to be in the future. At the moment, they're a flaky pistachio nut and easy to get into and easy to break down. I think you're using a sledgehammer to crack a nut, mate, with that analogy. (laughs) We've overstayed our welcome. Yeah, very, very much so. Villa should be a tough nut to crack, is all I'm saying. Um, Matt, we'll call it a day there. We said we wanted to do 20 minutes. We've done 40. We probably should have done 35, to be honest, to to get rid of all that last bit of waffle. Um, so thank you very much to everyone who's stuck with us. Not many people dropped off either in the last, last couple of minutes. So that, that's good to see. Uh, Matt, thanks for your time, as always. Um, get yourself to the petrol station for a last-minute gift. Um, thanks to the comments for all your contributions, as ever. Um and yeah, we'll be back next Saturday, I guess, for the for the Watford debrief. And it better be three points of villa, otherwise I'm not doing it. <laughs> exactly. That's when I'm gonna get Mrs. Kendrick for Valentine's Day, three points against Watford. <laughs> if a not if you lose, I'll be doing this from him back sitting in my car or something like that. Or... <laughs> uh, let's get out of here. Thanks very much for watching the Clown Blue podcast and we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.